Well, good morning, Vintage. It's good to see you. Those who are here, very warm welcome to you. Those in the courtyard, hello, and online. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Gare, and I'm one of the pastors here. And before we dig into God's Word, how are you? You doing okay? It's good to see you. And uh, just an update on tickets and Sunday services. This is the last Sunday that you would ever need a ticket. As of this uh, coming Sunday, you don't need tickets. Uh, just come along, bring friends. We've got lots of room in the courtyard, on the balcony, and here still. So you don't need tickets anymore. So please do just come along, which will be, which will be great. All righty, we're going to pray and then dig into God's Word together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word and as we read it now, we pray that the risen Jesus may encounter us richly. And so, Holy Spirit, just move in our hearts and in our minds that this is not just a sermon, but this is an on-ramp, a springboard into communing with Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in a new series called Acts a church for the city. The book of Acts is the story of the early church impacting the city, impacting the world with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we reach out to our city, we thought we'd go through the book of Acts together to look at how that shapes our message and shapes who we are as a community together. And we begin in Acts chapter 1, which we'll read in a minute, which describes what Jesus did after the resurrection. What Jesus did after the resurrection. We looked at Easter at the great event of the resurrection, but as we will see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus didn't ascend to his Father straight away. But in fact, for six weeks, he stuck around with his disciples. Forty days, nearly six whole weeks. Have you ever wondered, why? Why not just go, Hey guys, I'm alive, all good. Holy Spirit will be here in a few days, I'm off. Why did he stick around for six weeks? Six weeks. Think of what you can do in six weeks. He stuck around for that long. What was he doing? And why did he stick around? Okay, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1 together for the answers. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, or it's on the screen if you don't have one with you. Luke writes this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Here we go, verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, nearly six weeks, and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. For six weeks, he kept appearing to them, giving them proof after proof after proof that he was alive. The word here, appeared to them, is literally, they kept on seeing him. Not a one-off event, he appeared, but appearing, a continuous present participle, where for six weeks, he kept on appearing, over and over and over again. Theologian Peter Williams summarized the different ways that Jesus appeared, kept on appearing to his disciples. And we, we read of these appearances in the Gospels and in some of Paul's letters. There's a little uh, summary on the screen here with how, do we have that chart? A summary of that chart of 
how he appeared to them. In Judea, in Galilee, in the town, in the countryside, indoors and outdoors, in the morning, in the evening, by prior appointment and by not with prior appointment. Close, distant, on a hill, by a lake, to groups of men, to groups of women, to individuals, to groups of up to 500. He was sitting, he was standing, he was walking, he was eating, and he was always talking. A bit like Ash over here on my right, on my left. Um, always talking. He kept on appearing. I wonder what it was like. I wonder what it would have been like to be in the disciples' shoes for those six weeks. It's like, you know, you're doing the dishes, and then all of a sudden you turn around and Jesus, what are you doing? He kept on appearing for six weeks. Why was it so important? Why did he labor the point? Why did they leave them with no doubt to the point of them probably saying, enough already, we get it. Why did he do it? Well, I think the first reason is they, like us, are skeptical of anybody claiming to be resurrected. They were not prone to believe in the resurrection. It was not part of their worldview, and it was not something that was a popular thing to believe. But more than proving their doubts wrong, it meant everything that they believed in the resurrection. It shaped everything about what they were about to do. It shaped everything and changed everything about what it meant to follow Jesus and about what it meant to be a people who would then go out and tell others about Jesus. The resurrection changed everything for them and for us. And I want to drill into three areas as we look at being a church for Los Angeles, how the resurrection, the historical fact of resurrection changes everything for how we live and outwork our faith in Los Angeles. The first is this, because the resurrection is true, we have a unique message for Los Angeles. We have a unique and scandalous message for Los Angeles. If you like then and like now, most people will think of religion and the number of, of religions of different flavors of all the same thing. How to live to please God. Here's a set of rules. Here's a set of doctrines. Here's a set of things to perform that will either please your chosen deity or will just live your best life now. In the time of the first century, there were gods after gods after gods. All the Greeks and Romans had lots of gods and they were all about the same thing. This is what you do that they will like you, that they will accept you, that things will go well for you in your life. And in Los Angeles today, it may not be deities, but it will still be the same thing. You go to self-help section in Barnes & Noble, as I did this last week. Bookstores still exist. And I went inside, and there on the bookshelf were all the ways of living, the suggested performances in order to get the most out of life. It's a self-salvation way of living. If I perform, I'll do well. If I perform, I'll make it. And if I perform, I may get in the good books of God. And Jesus needed to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt his resurrection because it's the resurrection that means that Christianity cannot be fit into this worldview, that it's different. It's scandalously different. 
That Jesus isn't saying, hey, I'm another good guide to life. He's not saying, hey, I've got some good suggestions about love and you know, being good to your neighbors. And hey, there's a parable about a good Samaritan. And there's these really beautiful teachings that if you follow, then society will be a better place. He's not just a great example of sacrifice and love. He is a great teacher. He is a great example. But the resurrection gave them a unique understanding of who Jesus was and what he was doing that could not be collapsed into the definition of religion. Because of the resurrection, Christianity does not open with, here's how you have to live. It opens with, here's what Jesus did for you in history. It's a different starting point altogether. You see, Jesus came with a very clear agenda in mind, which was not to tell humanity how to save themselves, but to save humanity so they don't have to. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. It wasn't, here's another good book on do these exercises or tidy up a bit better or eat these foods or do these certain moral things and you'll make it. The crushing Self-salvation program wasn't part of Jesus' message. He came and said, actually, I've come to save you. You're more messed up and more helpless than you realize, but I love you more than you could ever dream, and I've come to rescue you. I've come to save you from having to perform yourself. I'll perform for you. I've come to save you from facing the consequences of all your terrible behavior. I'll take it for you. I've come to save you from the inevitability of death. I'll take your death for you. This is how much your God loves you that I'm not coming with this is how you find your way to God because in Jesus, God has come and found his way to us. This is the gospel. This is Christianity. And on the cross, this was the great hope. Oh my word. Jesus is on the cross and he's fighting on our behalf, sin and Satan and death. He's taken it to the cross and he's promising that he's going to take it for us and give us the life that we don't deserve and give us the benefits of all of his victories. And he went to the cross. Now here's, here's the kicker. Holy Saturday came. And we didn't know the outcome. I wonder what the disciples were thinking. Did he win? Did he do what he said he'd do? Because if he stays dead, then he lost. And he didn't defeat sin. He didn't defeat death. He didn't defeat the spiritual demonic forces of this world. He didn't. He tried. He gave a good effort, but he failed. And then came Easter Sunday. When he walked into the room and said, peace be with you, I'm alive, is because he wasn't walking in as, phew, I'm alive. He walked in as the victorious warrior. I did what I came to do. I defeated sin. I've taken the curse of disease out of this world. I've defeated the spiritual enemies of this world. And the last thing I'm going to do now is tell you to do this, do that, because I've done it for you. Here's my gift of salvation for free. I've come that you might have life, not through performance, but through my performance. See, Christianity, therefore, is not good advice. It's good news. 
the historical reality of the resurrection changes everything to do with what we say to this city about who Jesus is and why he came. There's multiple voices in our city saying, try this, do this, do this. If you want to live and be free of all the pain in your life, do this, do that exercise, stretch that way, eat that. And with all the good that is, death is still inevitable and the pain is still within. Jesus did not come and say, well, try me, try this. He came and said, I've paid the price. I've cured the problem. I've defeated your death. And it's here for you by grace and by grace alone. Salvation is now by grace, not by performance. And they needed to know the resurrection was true. Because otherwise, everybody, when they go in, have you heard about Jesus? Have they heard about Jesus? They would have thought immediately, well, yeah, it's just like one of these other gods telling us how to live to get better. Telling us how to live to please them and not be subject of their anger. And time and time again, they say, no, you don't realize, God raised him from the dead. This is what he did. This is a whole different, scandalous message of grace that the whole world needs to hear. I don't know about you, but I'm still surprised how many people get it wrong. How many people grow up in church? How many people grow up in LA or elsewhere and still think that Jesus and Christianity is a subset of that religious perform to be accepted. When we first moved to LA, I actually flew out a few months early, and this is back in 2010. And I was trying to meet people to try and drum up interest for this new church called Vintage. And I remember meeting a guy, and he went, oh, let's not chat here. I'm having a party tonight at a bar in Beverly Hills. And why don't you come along? I went, great, awesome. I think, wow, this is going to be so cool. And everyone was in the entertainment business, and it seemed lots of fun. I was looking for this guy. He didn't show up, which is a bit interesting. And anyway, I went in, got a drink at the bar, and I started to talk to these three amazing people, all in the entertainment world. And I learned about all of their kind of careers or their wannabe careers, and I was fascinated. And after about half an hour, they said to me, so one person said, so Gail, what, what brings you to the city? And I go, oh, this is going so well. <laughs> I don't really want to say. And they went, no, Gail, man, don't worry, man, chill. This is, everyone's loved here, man. You can be yourself. This is LA. You can do whatever you want, and it's normal. It's totally fine. I went, okay, I warned you. I said, I'm a pastor, and I've moved here to start a new church. The guy on my left just picked up his drink and walked away. The guy in front of me looked at me and went, but you're such a nice guy. And the girl on my right looked at me and went bright red. It looked like, shame or guilt or fear and then tears welled in her eyes and she picked up a drink and left and I thought when has the message of Jesus that he came to save by grace been lost in some kind of judgmental perform or Jesus will be angry when did it collapse into the old system of You have to do this to be loved. Lord, you've called us to this city to remind everyone 
that Jesus has done it for us. That he loves us so much that he loved us in our brokenness and paid the price of all the stuff we've done wrong so we don't have to. That we can just run into his arms by grace and love and acceptance. That if you meet Jesus, you don't have to go away in anger. You don't have to feel ashamed to be in front of him because on the cross and in the resurrection, he proved that the door is wide open, that forgiveness is free because he's paid the price for you and for me. Friends, we have to go out to the streets as evangelists, which doesn't mean we browbeat people. The word evangelist simply means announcing good news, not good advice. That God so loved you and me that he didn't come with a self-help book. He came to pay the price to set us free. This is the message. This is the grace that we are to bring to our city. And it's only because he rose from the dead. Secondly, the resurrection matters. It's true. And therefore, we have a new mission in Los Angeles. We have a mission, a calling to outwork in our city. I'm so proud of you here because you're still here in LA. Lots of people have left Los Angeles this, this year. And I understand for many good reasons. But you're still here, which means God wants you here. Which means he has a plan for you, a purpose for you here. These places all in this city for a purpose. And it's the resurrection that tells you what our purpose is. You see, Jesus spent six weeks proving he was resurrected. Not that he was just alive. There's a big difference. See, the disciples didn't need much proof if he was just alive because they'd seen Jesus raise at least three people from the dead. Lazarus and a few others. They'd seen it. So it would have been quite normal for Jesus to go, hey, remember what happened to Lazarus? Happened to me. Problem is, if he came back as Lazarus did, he, came, he comes back in his old body that's still subject to decay and one day will die. But Jesus had to tell them for six weeks and prove to them for six weeks, I'm not just resuscitated from the dead. I'm in a, a resurrected, never-to-die-again body. See, this is why the text says he kept appearing to them. He didn't just hang out with them. He kept appearing to them. He appeared to them, and they could recognize him. He wasn't a ghost. He ate with them. He talked with them. He sat with them. But also, he looked a bit different. He had like this renewed body in some ways that they didn't recognize until they went, is that you, Jesus? Is that you? It is you. You look a bit different. He could also do things that he couldn't do before. He could appear and disappear. He could appear in Judea one minute and Galilee the next. He was alive, but in a radically different way. It's what the Jews thought would happen, but not now. And it confused them. See, the Jews, a particular group of the Jews, realized that one day when God fixes all the brokenness in the world, he calls time and goes, blows the whistle, that's it, time, the end of evil is over. God's king will come and renew everything in an instant. We'd all get resurrected bodies, these bodies that won't decay, our best self. You know, this is our body as it was meant to be without any brokenness, and we're in that body forever. Awesome. And all of a sudden, they realize that Jesus is saying, guess what, I've got that body now. And it confused them because they thought, well, if you've got that body now, why don't we have that body now? Why is evil still in the world? 
He was messing with their understanding of what the kingdom of God was all about. He was redefining for six weeks how his plan would come. I've got a little chart up here that explains, hopefully explains it a bit better. And that is the Jewish traditional interpretation was the old age brokenness would suddenly be called time and the new age would come. In a moment, the world would be restored through God's chosen king, divine king. And you'd get a resurrection body. But the expectation was if the divine king was here with his resurrection body, that's the end, right? Everything is like that now. Judgment has come. But they're confused. Because Jesus is reframing their expectations around, yes, the old age has come to an end in one sense because the roots of the problems have been dealt with in the cross and the resurrection. I have now got my resurrected body, came out the tomb alive, in a new resurrected eternal body. Therefore, resurrection has begun, but it's not completed. And he actually says to them later on, one day I'll come back and I'll finish the job. So there's two stages now, and we await the return of Jesus again. But in between, we have this now and not yet. That the resurrection life has come. The resurrection body has become. Jesus is healing people now. His power is there for all of us to step into the reality of a life without this curse of sin and to overcome the problems of pain in the world now. But we're living alongside the pain and the brokenness that still exists. Paul tries to summarize this by saying that in the resurrection of Jesus, in 1 Corinthians, in the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrected body is the first fruits of what's to come. He said the resurrection is not an event. It's the beginning of a new season. And in the resurrection, we have the first fruits of what one day everyone will have. And he says, this is the mission of the church. To live now and have the power of the resurrection now to have a taste of what the future will be fully. One person helped me with this. He said, look, have you ever realized in spring, you know, a long cold winter, and you know, in LA it's freezing, it's around 63 degrees every day, and you're cold, and summer's not coming, summer's not till June, but every now and again, in April or May, Suddenly you get these spikes of like 85 degrees like today and you get up in the morning and you go, summer's on the way. It's not quite here yet. And so like me, this is a demonstration. You wear your summer clothes. You come out, you go to the beach, you block the PCH and you start to go, summer's on its way. (laughs) We're experiencing now the reality of what one day will be here every day. But we live it now. My wife looked at me this morning when she came in at 10.30 and went, what are you wearing? <laughs> she says, is this intentional? Like, is this a joke? But see, this is the mission of the church. Because of the resurrection, we step into now the summer of what is to come in the springtime. The resurrection body is the beginning of this new season. We as the church, we know, man, summer has arrived in bits. And we can sense his presence because he's alive, he's with us and his power is with us. We can pray for healing and some people can be healed. We can actually know that he's with us, he can provide for us. We sense that he's guiding us and we sense our summer's on its way. And in fact, as a church community, we're all wearing our summer resurrection clothes because we feel him with us now. 
But one day summer will be here all the time. And the mission of the church that the disciples needed to know that Jesus wanted to get into them with the resurrection is now the new mission. It's to live into resurrection power now, to give people a taste of what one day will fill the earth. Whether you're a mum, a neighbour, a boss, a colleague, a farmer, a surgeon, a doctor, is to go into those environments and go, I'm going to bring a taste of summer. I'm going to bring a taste of Jesus. Because in Jesus, this is how we live. In the resurrection, this is how we do relationships. In the resurrection power, this is how we do life. It's a new mission. It's not hey, Jesus died for you on the cross, hang on till heaven. It's every day going out, wearing the clothes of the resurrection and giving people a foretaste of life as one day it will be fully. That's why, do you remember, Peter is on the way to the temple in Acts chapter 6. There's a beggar on the side of the road. He's anticipating, he knows that the resurrection has happened and he knows that he's got good news now. Yes, it's not going to come fully until one day, but the resurrection power is real now. And he looked at the guy and went, dude, I don't have silver and gold, but I tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus, arise, stand up. The resurrection has begun. He's renewing all things. He's restoring all things. Sin and Satan have lost, and now the outrolling of his victory has begun. And this is the mission of the, his Easter people, his church. You have a mission. You have a power to bring the future into the present. Let's start wearing our resurrection clothes. And then finally, because of the resurrection, we have the resilience we need for LA. The resilience we need for LA. See, for six weeks, Jesus was grounding their faith, not in the warm and fuzzies of a personal relationship with Jesus. He was grounding their faith in historical reality that he rose from the dead. It was a game changer. Because he knew, and he knows for them, and he knows for us, when we go out and seek to be Easter people, to bring his kingdom to bear. Where there's injustice, we're going to bring justice. Where there's healing, we're going to pray. Where there's sickness, we're going to pray for healing. Where there's disunity, we're going to be peacemakers. We have the power of the resurrection with us. And guess what? When we do that, we're going to find great breakthroughs, but we're also going to find great opposition. Great opposition. And Jesus knew that if their faith was grounded on subjective experience, then when you are as they were, tortured, imprisoned, unfairly arrested, rejected by society, fired for their faith in Jesus, and ultimately on trial of death. If it was just a subjective experience, then it would have been so easy for them and for us to go, oh, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe it was just I had a bad day and I felt Jesus' presence and I felt a bit, but nah, maybe I got it wrong. Jesus knew that subjective experience is important, but it cannot be your only anchor. He needed to give them and drop the anchor in their hearts that whatever your subjective experience is right now, it was unequivocal Jesus rose from the dead. And therefore that changes everything. See, we see this time and time again in the book of Acts. They kept on being hauled in front of 
caught, about to be arrested and sent to prison and maybe death. And we see this in Acts chapter 5. And how did the disciples defend themselves? What did they say? This is what it said. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And they're then going to go to court. And Peter replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. He didn't say, you know what? I'm in this because, you know what, I had a bad day, I prayed a prayer, and Jesus came in. And you know what, I prayed for a job, and he got me that job, which is awesome. You know what, I, I had an experience when I was 16, I went to a summer camp, and I had this really warm sense of love. It was awesome, that's why I'm a Christian. See, all these things are nice, but actually they don't give you the anchor for the resilience you need in this city. Because guess what, you will find opposition. You will have dry patches. You will be disappointed. You will have unanswered prayer. See, that chart we had on the screen earlier, we're living in the new age, but also the old age. It's messy. It's hard. It's disillusioning. Have you ever struggled with unanswered prayer? Have you ever struggled with people rejecting you? Have you ever felt dry in your faith that Jesus seems a long way away? The kingdom has come, but it's not here fully. And Jesus said, you will not survive if you're just hoping your faith survives on favorable circumstances. And so for six weeks, he goes, remember, I'm alive. Remember, I rose from the dead. Yeah, Jesus, we get it. No, six weeks. You need to know this because when you're in front of the courts, when you're about to lose your job, when you, your girlfriend, boyfriend rejects you because you won't sleep with them, when you decide to give a lot of your money away, when you follow me, and people oppose you. Are you a hostage to the truth? Well, I can't do anything else, as Peter said, because Jesus rose from the dead. When I was 25, I did everything possible to reject my Christian faith. Everything. I wanted nothing to do with it. I hated church. I hated pastors in particular. How ironic. But I hated them. I actually did not want to be in the same room with the pastor. I was a lawyer in London, enjoying the life of London. I had money, I had friends, I had big nights out on the Friday night. I played, I, I loved it. it was, I tried to do everything to go, I don't need this. And in fact, I looked back and went, you know what? I had great time, great community, but there's lots of great communities out there. Oh, people were nice in church, but there's lots of nice people. I had an experience as a teenager. Yeah, but that could have been anything. People have lots of experiences all the time. But you know what was the anchor that kept me in? I could never reject is I knew, and I knew, because I had looked into it, I knew I couldn't deny Jesus and his resurrection. I just couldn't deny it. And it was like, I can't pretend, because I believe in not blind faith, but thinking faith, I can't reject it. And all my disappointments, all my, but what about this Jesus? What about that unanswered prayer? What about that pastor who was horrible? What about the church is such a mess sometimes? Yeah, but I rose from the dead. I'm alive and my kingdom is coming. And I knew I eventually had to bow the knee again. And I found him again. But he had defined my new reality that I couldn't go back on. Friends, family, we're called to live in LA to give him a different message because of the resurrection. 
to live into a new way of life of the coming summer because of the resurrection. And no matter what comes at you, no matter what the winds and the waves, and there are winds and waves, because of the resurrection, you won't sink. And at the end of the day, you'll be able to say, as Paul did, I ran the race. I fought the, I fought the fight. I fulfilled what God had given me to do because of the resurrection. Let's stand together. I love you to close your eyes and the worship team is going to come up. I just want to make some space for everyone here at home in the courtyard just to do some business with Jesus right now. He's alive. He's here by his spirit. And for some, I feel the anchor needs to drop from subjective yeah, I love you, Jesus, because you seem a cool guy and you do a lot of good stuff for me. He does, because he is a good guy. He loves you and he loves to bless you. But it needs to drop to, okay, you're the king who died. You rose again. No matter what happens, that's my foundation. You're the God who came to save me. You're the God who defeated death for me. You're the God who came back to life and is now king of all kings. That is my new reality. Your resurrection life is here in part. But you know what? That's my faith. And there's no turning back. So as we worship, Jesus, I pray you're here. I pray you'd pour your spirit into this place that we may encounter the risen Jesus once again. Let's worship together.